He was raised in the land down under, where a man thinks on his feet, speaks with his fists, and lives by his wits. A legendary figure about to encounter a world more treacherous than any he has ever known. This your first trip to New York? First trip anyway. Well, we might just have to give you one for free. <laughs> yeah. One more. So how are you finding New York? A bit of a lunatic or something. That's why I love it, because I fit right in. When are you coming home, huh? Well, if you can manage, Walt, I'd like to stay a while. Wouldn't have anything to do with a certain lady writer, would it? Paramount Pictures presents Paul Hogan. Um, as Crocodile Dundee. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And your wallet. He's got a knife. <laughs> a knife? That's a knife. Crocodile Dundee. That's not a podcast. This is a podcast. That's right. Welcome back to the Film Real Cast. We are back in 1986. And I'm pleased to say I'm back with the beautiful Paul. Paul, how are you? Oh, sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You're good. And, and I am the, the lovely... 80s man. The 80s man. <laughs> you are the 80s man. <laughs> yeah. And we've got the lovely yeah. silky dulcet tones of Rav. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Just unbelievable. Women turn the bass up and just sit on those speakers. We've got Rav back on the podcast. And we're doing something that's that's really fun, really keen, really to Paul's liking. We tried to choose a film and it kind of went like, Neil, you choose a film, mate, and uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, Neil had a breakdown, a nervous breakdown of what <laughs> film to choose. It was quite difficult. So in the end, we chose Crocodile Dundee, and then Neil and James can't make the podcast in typical style. But we've got Paul, who just loves the 80s. He wears the, the 80s. He's just... Yep. You're all about this, mate, aren't you? I'm but sat here in double denim. Oh, with a shark tooth necklace. <laughs> I'm drinking a can of Lilt at the moment as we speak, and no uh, I've, I've got some fluorescent socks on with a headband. So, <laughs> Rab, were you a child of the eighties, mate? Child of the late eighties, early nineties. You were more oh. the nineties man, aren't you? Indeed, yeah. However, I do say eighties music is still the best. Yes, hey. good Something. <laughs> You can't argue with that, can you, end of the day? Oh. It's still so good. And we're doing Crocodile Dundee. And this film had such an impact on me. And I, I just, it brings back so many memories. I've seen it so many times. And it's fascinating, really, because Paul Hogan, he was uh, put on new faces in Australia um, way back in the day. When this film was made, it was 47 years old, bearing in mind. So, it was put in um, by John Cornell, one of his mates, just for a laugh, because Hogan's always been the working man's man. And he went on New Faces, which for those who don't know, is like a talent show. And this was done by Kevin Wilson, who was a really harsh judge back in those days in Australia. And he was fully aware of what he was getting himself into. And after he did his comedy act, they were going to score him. And the typical dry Hogan way, 
He turned around and said, don't worry about scoring me. I know how good I am. And just walked off the stage. And it was that reaction that made him win the competition. And from there, um, he got bit parts on various TV shows because he kind of got recognized. And it's amazing because all whilst he was doing this, I never realized, I don't know if you guys did. He was a rigger on um, in, kind of in Sydney on the bridge. So he'd spend his day doing TV appearances um, or in the evening, rather. And during the day, he'd be several hundred feet in the air painting and keeping maintenance on, I think, it's Sydney Harbour Bridge. It's, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, and he kind of got an appearance on this uh, very kind of, it's like not the nine o'clock news, kind of satire news show. And again, it was unscripted by him. Uh, but because he was just naturally funny, naturally very dry and flirtatious. And back in those days, people were very sexist and they made kind of co- uh, racist comments as well. But that was accepted as humour. And he was very good at that. Uh, so from there, he got more and more TV parts and ended up with his own Paul Hogan TV show, which was right. the kind of the Australian equivalent of like the Benny Hill show, you know. <laughs> and that took off. And he then kind of came to notice more, especially in the UK, with the adverts for Australian holidays, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah, and throw shrimp on the barbie and g'day and stuff like that. Yeah, Those kind I've of quotes, which yeah, which stereotyped kind of Australian. He was well known, very well liked. And him and um, John Cornell, who wrote a lot of things and who was in a lot of the sketches, said, "We'll do these adverts. We'll agree to do them." Uh, and we won't get paid. But what we want is high budget adverts with famous people in really well edited and really well done. And these adverts came out and they were so popular. They got the imagination of the world uh, through Paul Hogan's sense of humour. And it was such a clever idea because from pitching these adverts and because Harry became famous through the adverts, he then was able to do Crocodile Dundee, which was a film that he wrote himself. A story yeah. was by him. Um, and also uh, John Cornell, who's credited as well. And it became just a massive hit. And he pitched it to the um, film companies. And what they did, again, it's genius, it's brilliance, was that they took a small percentage, but they were so confident that this film would do so well that they said they'll take a share of the takings as well which was such a good idea because it's got on IMDb um, 8 million, but uh, I, I've been watching quite a few interviews of Paul Hogan and it was 6 million budget to make this film. And it went on to make over 400 million worldwide. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. And it was filmed in order of the way the story is done. And he was saying, and friends were saying as well, and I interviewed John Cornell, that the, the kind of romance between Hogan and um, Linda Kozlowski kind of did blossom. And what you see on screen is kind of literally what happened. And when they got together, because Paul Hogan was such a massive celebrity and loved because of what he did to Australia, he became a figure of hate. And she did as well when they came out just before Crocodile Dundee 2, that they were actually getting together and he was leaving his wife and three children. And the press painted pictures of his kids being abandoned, left alone, when in fact his kids were married and lived away and had um, jobs themselves and families themselves. So and then he kind of slowly won them back. But he got a brain hemorrhage at the end of this, was in hospital and 
uh, was done for tax evasion, declared that in court secretly um, with undisclosed figures. I mean, he had such a ride, but he's made so much money and he's just he hasn't changed this very day when you look at interviews. It's absolutely brilliant. It's really fascinating. I'd recommend on YouTube having a look. Mm, OK, it's so, so good. But yeah, he's and he's kind of when he talks, he's Crocodile Dundee. Just, you know what I mean? He's very lazy kind of the worries he's got and he doesn't give a shit about anything. He's just happy go lucky kind of character in real life. He appears that way. Very much like you, Paul. <laughs> happy go lucky. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but people are fuckers, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> people are fucking. You, you, you can't account for that yeah <laughs> where'd you pull that one from really? people are fuckers <laughs> but you and i both know that stewie jesus christ <laughs> rav when did you come across <laughs> a crocodile dundee early stages i saw this at the cinema and obviously being born in the 70s and i loved it what about yourself i think it was I remember it, it was many, many years ago now. Um, I was at home and both my mother and I were watching this on TV. Um, that was the first time I came across it. And then after that, it, it, he just became an icon of the 80s and it just kept going. And, you know, the, the catchphrase of, well, that knife, this is a knife. That was <laughs> oh, nice. with Great. And, and him. Oh, it's legendary, isn't it? What about yourself, yeah. Paul? I mean, you were kind of born in, you were a 60s child. Fuck off. <laughs> Hang, on. Hang on. Don't forget, right, you're like, what, a month older than me? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we you're go. a September child. I'm October child, so. Scratch the record. Scroll Scratch the record. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Dave. So, yeah, I reckon if I've not seen it in the cinema at the time, I'd have seen it like, a couple of years later. Because I remember, <laughs> I remember um, that scene where he he chucks, what does he throw? He throws something. There's an old, there's someone being mugged. A tin can. In New York, yeah, and he chucks a tin can. And I remember being in my local park, throwing a stone, thinking I was Paul Hogan, and he got nowhere near the target, right? <laughs> so that was what, it must have been like 1989. So I would have seen it around by the time it came out, and I loved <laughs> yeah. it. Throwing what? stones at random people in the park. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> no one you been, had no it, friends it might have been a tree it might have been a friend it could have been my mum or dad you know the tree um, was your friend yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh bless but yeah this so, this is kind of for me was the first fish out of water kind of film isn't it that uh, that i remember as in kind of he goes to new york and he's lost and I don't really remember. I can't recall other films doing this as well. I don't know about you guys. No, there was no one. There was there was Tarzan. Wasn't this you? Um, <clears throat> George of the Jungle, wasn't it? Was it George of the Jungle? It might have been. Yeah, but there was that. Sorry, Raph. Brendan Fraser. Yes. Brendan Fraser. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And it was. It was just. And not only was it kind of like in that vein, but also there was that. Um, the way the people in New York perceived the character that Paul Hogan played was just almost like he was, you know, from the jungle. 
you know. Yeah. There was no internet, no social media. This guy came from the outback and came into, you know, middle of New York. And it was just interesting to see how they responded to him and how, you know, how they, how they dealt with it <clears throat> and how he they, responded too. Hmm. I mean, they loved the film was just a huge success in America and, and they loved it. But I mean, I know there was, uh, you kind of, I don't know what you could class. You've got the Coneheads, haven't you? You've got Borat coming to America and things Cone like that. Even He-Man to a certain extent did kind of, this and the film Enchanted is the only other film yeah. that I and I, I really enjoy Enchanted with, with Rachel McAdam. I, I think it's very yeah. Um, that which is a, a great film. It really is, and they do this just as well as um, Crocodile Dundee. But I mean, Ramp, you're a film man as well. I, I can't remember any film doing this kind of fish out of water story as well as Crocodile Dundee. I don't know about you, mate. No, I mean, like like um, Paul said, it was very much Tarzan. But it's, it's the Australian Tarzans, isn't it? Um, mm. Brendan Fraser's um, uh, George's Jungle. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think I've seen anything which, to, to this degree, where it is fish out of water. Mm. Uh, you know what's true in Rav? You, you couldn't get away with that now, could you? You could not. No, they couldn't not do now. it now because of social media and the internet. It wouldn't How, happen because of the knowledge of what goes on around the world and all that kind of being fed constantly of, with information from different cultures. It wouldn't happen. I mean, that that being said, I think a, a 2020x spin on this would be interesting. As you said, it wouldn't get away with it. But to to have a character who lives most of their life in the outback or away from technology just to come into the world now. Uh, like for example, New York, London, wherever, whatever big cities there are in the world, it would be an interesting spin on it. Yeah, it'd yeah. be interesting. I think if you did, I don't, know, I don't know. You might be able to scrape it, kind of the outback, the Amazon, something like that, to get away with it. But I, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, there was talk of uh, remaking it, and they had um, I can't remember his name now. The guy who played uh, Kenny Powers. Um, and because he did a trailer for it and he was seeing Crocodile Dundee dressed up in his stuff. And people believe that they were doing a complete remake um, of Crocodile Dundee. But it turned out to be a promotional video, which is kind of a parody of what um, Paul Hogan did. And in that, they got people, um, famous people like Thor, Chris Hemsworth. He was in it. And all these famous people were in it. Margot Robbie was in it. And it purely was just an advert, um, exactly the same as what Crocodile Dundee promoting Australia. But because of the big names, it was a massive spin on the internet that they've remade it, and everyone believed a new mm. film was coming out. Mm. And it was so well done. But, but when you look at the 80s, and again, I love the 80s, and around 1986, and I always love going back and looking at the films because there were so many good films, and when you just pick a year out, and I've always said, if you're stuck on a desert island, you're going to bring 80s music and 80s films. They've got The Three Amigos, The Golden Child, The Fly, Karate Kid 2, in Cobra, Labyrinth, uh, Howl the Duck. I mean, it's just some amazing... <laughs> Mine is the last one. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's just so good. I mean, they're just it's nostalgia, isn't it? I know if I watch Howl the Duck now, I'd, I'd die. I'd want to stick pins in my eyes. But I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off... 
Top Gun. Oh, superb. Oh, I love yeah. Top Gun. I was watching that tonight, actually, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think, um, if you've not done it already, I'm not sure if you have, we should do that, because Ferris Bueller is just... It was That's great. Just class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. I yeah. think we may have covered Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I'll have a look. If you, not, we'll add that one done. Yeah. to but, our list. But 86 was a nice little peak in films, wasn't it? As you, you know, as you say, Stu, it was a nice little peak, and there's a oh, lot of stuff coming out then. Oh, it's just so good, yeah, just yeah. so good. But on with Crocodile Dundee. I mean, this film was my first introduction to Australia as a young child. I mean, I was 12 years old. All I knew was Star Wars at 12, and that was it. So, and it was my first introduction to a female's bottom, which was very nice, thanks to uh, <laughs> lovely uh, Linda Linda Kozlowski. Mike Kozowski. I'm calling her Mike Kozowski through this. I might just refer to her as Mike Kozowski from now on. Because that's so much easier. Mike Kozowski's bottom was what I remember. It's a great intro, isn't it? I mean, poor old Wally, who... Wally, who do you think's full of more bullshit? Wally or uh, Crocodile Dundee? Which one? I think Dundee, Dundee for the... He wants to obviously... You know, he fancies her and stuff, but Wally's just full of it because he's a, you know, he's in tourism, isn't he? He's just trying to sell it. So, yeah. What about you, Raph? Who do you think's the biggest (laughs) bullshitter out of these two? It's, I would say Dundee, simply because throughout the movie, especially when they're in Australia, you can see bits of, is he a poacher? Is he not a poacher? (laughs) Yeah. And then. Different lines of that. I think you're you're BSing. Like Paul said, Wally's the the tourist guide, the tour guide. So you're going to you know you're going you're going to make more than actually is. Oh yeah, he tells yeah. a an amazing story, doesn't he, old Wally? I love the story of um, when he's talking about Mick Dundee being attacked. I mean, there he was out there doing a quiet spot of fishing when all of a sudden, bang! This giant crocodile came up, turned him over, bit half his leg off, dragged him down under. Killed it, of course. I mean, any normal man would have just turned up his toes and died. But uh, not our Mick. <laughs> no. Hundreds of miles, snake-infested swamps on his hands and knees. He crawled right into Catherine. Straight past the hospital and into the first pub for a beer. <laughs> that story's getting better every time you tell it, Wally. <laughs> he spins a really good yarn and then he gets put down by the barmaid just in his peak. And <laughs> I think that's great. And he is full of absolute bullshit. I like that. But as you said, Crocodile and Deers as well, because he looks at Wally's watch at one point gets the time and then looks at the sun yeah. and says, yeah, it's, I don't know, whatever time it is. And he says, yeah, an old Bushman's craft. Yeah. But he, he's doing, obviously, he's obviously doing that for the females um, benefit. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. In the bush of born woods, I don't know. <laughs> In the bush. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's another conversation, mate, about you being in the bush, honestly. Yeah, Jesus. 
but it's a really good intro with uh, uh, Paul Hogan. And what I do like is the exaggeration on the noise in this film of <laughs> the punch. When he's dancing oh. with uh, Mike Kozowski and that guy's taking a piss out of the poaching, his punch is like a fucking uh, Exocet missile, isn't it? <laughs> I noticed. I didn't notice at that point, but we know when he's later on he, and he's punching the pimp. Yeah. And the pimp's mates later on in the film, it is literally like a, like a gunshot. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. It, yeah. It's like Brad Pitt out of snatch. It's like a one punch machine because. <laughs> oh, it had such good punch noises in the eighties. Honestly. Yeah. Not only can we see it, they have to give us the hint and put the punch sound in as well. Oh, it's loud. It's like talking magnets. of sounds, talking of sounds whilst we're on the subject, right? You know, <clears throat> whenever you watch a film now with a knife involved, right? The, the oh, here we go. Think, uh-huh. Right. I know we've been here before. Right? The filmmakers think we're too fucking dumb to know what a knife looks like. So when the knife is shown on the TV, on the film, whatever, you hear this. Don't you, right? <laughs> All the fucking time. Like, like um, Scream, kill for Bill. example. Or, yeah, Kill Bill, dude. Yeah. Leave right? Kill Bill alone. Leave it alone. No, hang on. Knife comes out, like Scream. Like, you watch Scream in the first five minutes. The knife comes out, and all you hear is... The second you see, you hear this... <laughs> in this film, when he gets the knife out, and and we'll come to it later on about that... That's not a knife. This is a knife, right? And he gets a yeah. knife out. We all fucking know what a knife looks like, and it's massive. It does not need that sound. But you know what? If they remade that film, I would. I bet you any minute, the phony guys would put that sound in. Oh God! You really got a fucking beef about 100%, that? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'd put my pension on it. They you I put your period on it, mate. That's what you put did last week. On. Put your period on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I Honestly. think I think it's such a point with that because it's they would. back in the 80s they didn't assume people to be dumb. Where nowadays they you have to be literally walk through films. Like, this is what's happening now. Yeah, you know, knife on screen sound. Yeah, where back in the 80s, like, or you know, it's a knife. Yeah, you, know, you can see the damn thing. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Oh God. This when they they Not go out on a kind of they go out in the bush as we all like to do exploring the bush and uh <laughs> and they come across i mean this scene with the these are all new things this was really original when they come across that i think it's like a massive water buffalo and he does his old that took a day's whole day's worth of filming so obviously that was um like tamed cattle but apparently they're really stubborn creatures and they don't do what they're meant to do Right. It was there all day, and they reckon that the only reason why he actually ended up going down like that was going down on Paul Hogan was because he was absolutely knackered, and the thing just fucking laid down on the floor in the end. Thought, you know what, though? Well, I saw that a bit, and I looked at it. I thought his aim was to get that water buffalo off the track because they wanted to get through the track. Yeah, it did. So he didn't actually achieve what he wanted to do because the thing fucking <laughs> laid down. So where was he going? Nowhere. <laughs> but in the end, he got the girl in the end. <laughs> yeah, right. But I know what you mean. I remember you tried that with a, uh, a vicious pit bull, didn't you, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Your, your guitar lessons have never been the same since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, call me th- they call me three string. 
<laughs> Let's not even go there, yeah. <laughs> they they go they go through the bush and uh they're kind of it's it's all about that the story is that she comes across she's in Australia anyway doing these um interviews and comes across a story of someone who crawled through the bush after being attacked by a crocodile. So we go to the site where he's been attacked. And again, as you said, Rav, is he a poacher? Is he not? Of course he is. There's loads of gun shells by this boat. And even he kind of does a wry smile, raises an eyebrow when she lifts the shells and he makes up some kind of Australian fish, which is quite vicious. So he's clearly there poaching, isn't he? Yeah, he's a poacher. Yeah, Rav's right. Yeah, he's a scoundrel. Not Rav. Well, you know, he does use his charm, though. I must admit that the way he's portrayed, whether that be him as a person or him as a character, he he uses his charm very well in those first opening scenes to Linda's character to to make a fall for him. I can see why as well. You know, you you know, you're not supposed to be doing something yet. You've been caught out. However, you're, you're swinging it now to make it look like you're the Vincent party. Oh, definitely. You can see that chemistry be it real chemistry between them or kind of acting on screen. I mean, she was, she had nothing before this. She went to Juilliard School of um, Performing Arts, which is a very good school in America. And she did not, she took the part having no idea of exactly what it involved. There was no huts. There was tents that <coughs> guards out on night with rifles to keep um, different animals away. And apparently a lot of people got ill because they were in the middle of the bush filming and she absolutely hated it. But obviously the payoff for that is she ended up with uh, a guy that she fell in love with. And she obviously ended up with shitloads of money in her pocket. But Juilliard's really cool, yeah. where um, Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams went to. They started there. Oh, really? I, I thought yeah, they went. I thought it was a uh, fame school <laughs> with Coco. <laughs> <coughs> oh, Stu. <laughs> another great film another great series fame i remember watching it was fame. not yeah I remember oh i fame. loved yeah, it, was it, was it every friday or saturday it was on i can't remember but it was so good fame i just loved it it was brilliant but i like musicals and stuff like that yeah i do so, yeah but yeah never mind when they're in the bush when he's talking to her about what's going on and when that snake arrives and he just doesn't break any conversation. <laughs> and he just grabs that snake by the neck and just breaks his neck and just carries on talking. It's clearly a rubber snake. It's obvious. It is. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so funny. And again, yeah. back in 1986, I, I was blown away as a kid that this guy is invincible, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He gives off such a good persona. And I did wonder if something extra was going to happen. And it did start to get a bit stale, but... I love his attitude of when the hunters come along with his kangaroos. Yes. And we, he even said during, a, a, was it Kill Bill? I'm not too sure when we spoke about hunting. Uh, actually, it was during our Calibre podcast, wasn't it? Mm. That we were talking about our likes and dislikes of hunting. That yeah. It's so such an original take on what he does when these guys are hunting the kangaroos. From going from... Yeah, they're hunting kangaroos. So what? There's no law against it. So I'm I'm not prepared to stop them. To what she does to him obviously changes his mind. And it's such a great scene, isn't it? I always laugh when I see this scene. Shut up, boys. Oh, 
Hey, Trevor. Trevor, get the spotlight over here, man. Hey? The spotlight. Don't you see where you're aiming? Shut up. <laughs> Not on me, you silly bugger. On the bushes. Hey. Hey, look at this big cheeky bugger. Right, got a gun. It's just the way we always say animals don't shoot back and they they shouldn't be hunted. And the fact he does turn the tables, getting the skin of a kangaroo <laughs> with a rifle, and the just the expression on the geezer's face is priceless. I'll start, yeah, starts taking pot shots. It's great. Yeah, I was expecting more from that scene. It's like something more is going to happen here, but it didn't come to fruition is like okay however the little quip at the end you know well done skippy or something along those lines like okay fair enough you uh, you, you can take that one <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to have seen rab what would have been your ultimate i i was expecting potentially a bit more of a uh, more guns going off you know them firing back and then then realizing that they can't kill skippy and then they being spooked but then again that, that was just me I, this is more just the fact that we've been watching movies for god knows how long now so we're expecting a retort but there was no retort yeah and, i know what you mean like you would have liked to have seen skippy massacre one of them and uh, yeah just yeah. more blood and violence and stuff like that however that being said there's no blood and violence in this movie i just realized no it's a 15 as well i don't know yeah, why this not, film's right, a 15 yeah, it's true. Like, he shoots the gun out. He sh- shoots one of the poacher's guns, and then he shoots yeah. the, the light, and then the, the windscreen. Mm. But there's no one actually physically gets hurt. Mm. Really, except but the punches. punches. The punches are very explosive. That's about it. The punches. But do you think it's because of uh, Mike Wazowski's bottom in this that they've made it a fifteen? Because I can't <laughs> think of any other reason of why they've done that. And, and the no, which you know we're all fans of. It's weird because there's no swearing. No. I'm saying there's no blood, and there's really the, the only thing you can attribute is maybe like her bum in it, and the the crocodile. The the scene when she goes down by the lake is quite a famous like iconic scene in this. That she she is a very attractive woman, and she goes down and she's got this g-string on. She she looks absolutely amazing, incredibly sexy, and she's being followed by uh, Paul Hogan because she's kind of challenged him. Uh, that she's a city girl and she can look after herself. He goes, go on, on your way then. So she goes off and she gets a drink. And isn't it funny that she's in the middle of the jungle or the bush and she she's on her own. But despite being on her own, she gets all sensual down by this river or this pond and starts to take her clothes off and stretch in a very erotic way with no one else there. Apart from a croc. Apart from a croc. It's so... It's just so corny, isn't it? It's it's just so predictable. Knowing, knowing that there are crocs in the flipping lagoons or rivers, and she's got this canteen round her neck, and yeah, it was it was yeah. I think I can't I can't I can't see apart from that I can't see how it would be a fifteen. And I think if if it was redone, I think it'd be reclassified maybe what twelve APG because it's nothing, is it really? No, and I, it, obviously it was a PG when it came out because I saw this at the cinema. Mm. So I don't know whether it, it's so kind of soft now that they've uh, bumped it up to a fifteen, but it's really, really strange. But 
obviously it's not a real crocodile and the crocodile gets killed and i think that's the first kind of connection that that they have that things are going to get serious between them guys mm-hmm. i think this scene definitely uh, this scene slightly annoyed me because prior um when he's going on about how he managed to escape the croc when the croc did, took a nibble out of him and then as he tried to bite down again and then he goes on the whole thing of what the croc will do is he'll take you into the water and they'll do a death roll i was fully mm. expecting something along those lines to happen but it was right. just a tough war i mean let's face yeah. it a croc versus a human that the power that an animal like that has it will drag you uh, you know unquestionably you, you're pretty much done but it was just a bit of a toing and froing so Right. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> Did you want to see her get dragged under and then go be, in after her? Well, yeah, that would be more interesting. But again, as you say, it's initially, so. It, you're it, quite it, vicious, it, Rav, aren't you, really? You want to see the kangaroos attack them and murder the people. <laughs> and you want to see her death rolled numerous times by a crocodile. No, what Rav wants to see is it justifying itself for a 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's more like that. It, it, it will add a bit more tension to the scene. Yeah, let's face it. He jumps and jumps on the croc's head and stabs it. So I was expecting a bit more. Right, he is, yeah, he is a poacher. Let's face it, fade a spade. He's a poacher, and the croc's dragging her away, and then he heroically jumps in to to finish the croc off, whether that be underwater or or um, uh, you know above water, because the first scene is him when they introduced the crocodile Dundee is him in a bar wrestling a crocodile and she is absolutely petrified. Yeah. I was expecting a bit more like that wrestling damn thing. Yeah. No, it would have been a bit more, I, I don't know. I suppose back in those times, it did make you jump when it comes out of the water and mm-hmm. I, I, it was quite original. And I, I, I suppose him fighting, we well, didn't even actually fight with it. Did he? To be honest, he just stuck a knife in his head. And I swear initially when it first came out, you actually did see him sticking the knife in his their crocodile's head, but they've cut that bit out of this. You don't see it as graphic. You mm. do, when he like, when he twists it, you actually see him in the original film sticking it in his head and twisting it more. But um, yeah, it's, it's difficult to see why they warrant this um, being a fifteen. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd love to know. And the it kind of relationship goes on, and. He's really good for a 47 year old guy. He's got a very good body and he looks very good. I mean, he was riddled with skin cancer later on in his life um, and even admits that it was just due to films like this where he was constantly had the sun all day that he was riddled with it. But um, when they're by that lake, they kiss for the first time and <clears throat> it's kind of a bit, it's lovely because she's really nice and it's nice, like, kind of love story. And he comes across as a very simple guy. But I would have liked to have them not to have kissed just yet, to have waited a bit longer. To have, you know what I mean? I think it was what, too, for the tension too, build up. too soon. Yeah, for the tension, I would like to it yeah. something to have happened a bit later on than to have kissed. I know that she's kind of, I suppose, at a weakest because he um, saved her life from a yeah. crocodile. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'd like to to have happened a bit much, a bit much kind of um, later on in the film. I think. Also, from the outset of the film, you know that she's got a boyfriend, but you've never really established. They don't. They didn't establish the strength of that relationship, did they? Really, you knew he, he existed, but you didn't really know. So it wasn't as if you had any kind of. I didn't have any kind of um, 
affiliation with her boyfriend, but you knew that she had a boyfriend back home, didn't you? Because yeah. he worked for the paper. Richard, is it Richard? Richard, um, yeah. 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 But um, but it was nice. It was nice. But you're right, Stu. It was, I think it was a little bit too early. Um, uh, and I think it's one of these films they tried to squeeze an awful lot in in the time they did, you know, it, within that film. But, yeah. Yeah, because it's only an hour and 37 minutes, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yeah, an awful, an awful lot in. And, and as we get to the end, you've got a, a lot going on in the, you know, to bring everything to fruition in the last, probably, what, five minutes. Mm. Mm. I mean, you would have liked to have seen a fight, Rev, I would take it. <laughs> Some violence. Like Paul said, they they did put a lot in for the first, you know, the first three quarters of the movie, and there's a very quick wrap up. And I mean, ultimately, this is like this is just a romance story. There, there is no, I don't, I didn't see this as an action movie or anything like that. It, it was just a romance movie. That's all it was. That's really interesting you say that because I was going to ask that question later on and I'll ask, oh, I'll put, do it now as you brought it up. I mean, do, you, do you think, Paul, I mean, do you think this is an action or do you think this is a romance or both? What's your take on this? Um, I would say, so what are the options? Romance. <laughs> Good, Bro- bad, or the ugly. not. No, no, romance, action, or, or, or what was it was, do you think this is a romance? Do you think it's an action or do you think you're a fucking idiot? <laughs> I think, I think the latter, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you want a latte? <laughs> I think, I think it's a hundred percent a romance film. However, it had an element of, it had, it had to, it had to meet different criteria in order to get the largest amount or greatest amount of, um, viewers to appreciate it. So, hundred percent romance, but you needed a bit of violence. You need, need a bit of suspense. Would you say it's adventure then instead? No romance. Yeah, no, but a romance no. and adventure with, rather yeah, than with, romance yeah, with, and action. Well, yeah, with adventure. Um, but it is from the outset. Two people meet and they find love, and they're together. Romance. But with adventure yeah. and a bit of action in between. <laughs> so you just. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling to hear what you're saying from all that fence up there, mate. Can you uh, just get off the fence and just answer the no, question? Listen, I told you it was a romance film, but it's got elements of action and adventure in between. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> Come over here. Yeah, I agree with Rav. I I just think it's a romance, but with some action and adventure in as well. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice? <laughs> you want to create a romance, we want an action. So you can have romance, action, or adventure. Yeah. What would you like? All three of us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's I it. See Paul yes. at a fucking sweet shop or something like that, or an ice cream <laughs> parlor, and a chocolate with some mint and. He's not Alan Partridge, is he? He goes, I'll have a gin with some tonic and with some ice. So you want a gin and tonic? Well, go on then. <laughs> just what you're like. I just told you. It's a romance film. I said 100% romance film, but it's got elements of action and adventure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Get the back of my hand. 
<laughs> isn't it? As I was trying to say earlier, isn't it nice but sad at the same time when you see in these eighties films the twin towers in there? It always oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Makes you I think. Know. Yeah. Every film. film. Yeah. Immediately date a film, but it's it's so sad. But yeah, it's so iconic. Still, it's like Concord. Every time you see Concord, uh, for those who don't know Concord, it's a plane that flew really fast. But no longer does because they made the wise decision that something that works really well and flies really well and it's commercial success to take out of action. So, a bit like my love life. <laughs> so, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. But if I'm not on next week, you know that she does. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to give her a call. <laughs> so they land in new york and once they land there it's like new york trope city isn't it you meet richard who is instantly <coughs> they kind of may as well have a sign over his head i'm a sleazy asshole man they he's punching yeah. as well isn't he yeah mm-hmm. definitely punching yeah yeah he's a proper scumbag and, and it's oh, <coughs> can i just say just very quickly right if, if you watch the Secret of My Success is Michael J. Fox, um, back to back with this. And the minute he hits New York, um, whether it's Michael J. Fox or or um, Paul Hogan and this, they've got the, the drum machine cycled and they've got that like very fast kind of, is it David um, Forrester or Forrester that did all the music to that kind of? Yeah. In the 80s. Just to show the, the, the drive and, me, you know, and the mechanism of New York and how you know fast it was, the pace it was running at. Um, so, yeah, when you, when you watch both films, the minute they hit New York, you haven't got to see the film. Just You can close your eyes and listen to music and you know you're in New York. But it's yeah. very well done. Yeah. Oh, it's really, really well done. You, you instantly get the fish out of water kind of taste of when the escalators are going. And but he doesn't want to go on the escalators. He's worried about him being kind of sucked under the escalators and stuff like that. And Richard finds all of this really, really amusing. And I was really pleased to see um, Sergeant Powell from Die Hard as the limo driver. Yes, it was. I was trying to place him. It was so good. I just wanted him to shout out, I went like a Tommy Plaza, I turned him, I can't just Swiss cheese. I just really wanted him to say that. It would have been so good. And, <laughs> and drive his limo into like a one of those massive drains. It would have been excellent. But yeah, it's great to see him. And you, I like the fact that it's really, really nice, really endearing that he just meets, wants to stop at some traffic lights. He says to this geezer outside like the financial district, he introduces himself and says, yeah, I might see you around. Just the naivety that, chances are in a city with millions of people that are bump into you and it's like the immediate impact he makes and they kind of highlight and exaggerate that when everyone who's waiting <coughs> by those traffic lights looks down or where um crocodile dundee was good day mick dundee from australia how are you i'm fine how are you i think from the good this guy this guy down for a couple of days Probably saw you around. Fine. Went from the Yeah, I think at th- th- that point it's a bit. Yeah, it's for the benefit of the film. I can see why they've done that, but it's oh, cheesy as fuck. It's already it's already been established, though, guys, that you know he knows there's what seven million people living in the city, 
And he must be stupidly naive to then go, all right, I'm Mick Dundee from, you know, the, they're like, he knows there's 7 million people. He's never going to see him again. So for the benefit of the film, that was, yeah, just. Well, it's just done tongue in cheek, maybe. Yeah. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I, I didn't see that, but yeah, I suppose. Maybe. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's difficult, isn't it? Because yeah. you are right. He's he's either got to be a, some kind of fucking idiot, or he's just a happy-go-lucky chap, and that's the way they're trying to sell him. You know, that yeah. he's so different, the polar opposite to what everyone's like in New York, who haven't got time for anyone and just interested in their own affairs, pretty much like London and like everyone is today, really, isn't it? Yeah. Here's a question for you then. Is that the guy he spoke to, is he a director or something? Because let's face it, most movies, when they have scenes like that, they're just cameo scenes for either a director or a producer or whoever it's going to be. Is, it, is yeah, he no? Sh- no, is I, it's, I'm pretty sure it's not John Cornell, his, his mate, because... Um, he liked to be out of the limelight and I mean, because later on in his life, he got Parkinson's like quite badly and he didn't want to be known at the time as the Parkinson's guy. And he kind of refers to Michael J Fox being known more as that than the guy who was in back to the future. And he's kind of as famous in Australia for that reason. So I don't think it was him, but you're right. You often get weird cameos. Don't you like that? Mm. So you must be something famous or a producer or something like that, because why would they emphasise the camera on him more? Mm. Sure, they're driving away. Maybe just maybe maybe because he was a fugly guy. Yeah. B days. Talk to me. Who's got one? Who's used one? Uh, Got one in Italy because you're a snobby fucker, aren't you? In Italy, we've got one, but we've not got one here. Have you used it in Italy? Talk to me about your B-Day experience. Yeah, I've Paul. used it in Italy, yeah. Yeah, I've used it. Do you yeah. always use it if you do a massive crack? Or do you just... <laughs> no. Or do you use it just no, all the time no. anyway? If, it, if it's really bad, I get someone in. <laughs> so, to, I've never used one. What's it like to use a B-Day? What's it like? Just... um refreshing on the whole what's it like <laughs> <laughs> boom what's a b-day like on the whole <laughs> talk to me that's brilliant yeah um <clears throat> refreshing i think yeah cool cooling does it do the job <laughs> boom because i yeah. honestly don't know do you wipe and then use the b-day or use the b-day instead of wiping you do both Kind of have you never object. used one? You must have been at a hotel somewhere that you used one. No, I just wipe my ass like most of the population do. I don't. I don't yeah. need <clears> kind of <throat> some hot water pressurized on my sphincter. But if you wipe after using it, toilet yeah. paper will just break up, surely. Or you just dump it in the. Yeah. Dump is it in it, what you talking about? Is this the is this the forum for this? It is, because I want to know, and I'm sure other people listening. I mean, we had 48,000 downloads last month, and I'm sure yeah. even if you take 10%, yeah. Yeah, 10% of them surely must want to know about your use of a B-Day and if it's good or not, in case they go to a hotel or other places where a B-Day is available, and they can sit and think, Paul says it's worth it, 
I'm going to take his like vote for it, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to use it. Is a B day worth it? it, it it's worth. Well, is it worth it? It's it's different. I, I I'd say it's different. It's different. Wipe and wash. Wipe and wash. Rav, yeah. B day. Talk to me. <laughs> if, never. If you use one. Never. Rav's like I'm dialing out. <laughs> would you would, <laughs> would you use one, Rav? Uh, why not? It's a uh, it's a different experience, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know whether I'd use one because I'd be frightened that I'd enjoy it for the wrong reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. And then I'd have to get like a like, I don't know, like a squeezy bottle at home and make my own one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it I, would I, worry I, me. I can see you on it with a, your phone. And then dialing some helpline afterwards, going. Yeah, I'll be on TikTok and stuff like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hi, my name's but... Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, days. Idiot. I'm on three a day now. But he obviously didn't know what a beta was, and I quite like that. At that time, I didn't have a clue. At twelve year old, I just thought, "Wow, I've got two toilets. What on earth is that for? And why does one of them squirt up?" It meant nothing to me, and it's quite—I mean, it's outdated now, <coughs> but it still makes me chuckle. Uh, the conversation where he doesn't know what one's for. Some nitwits put two dunnies in it. One dunny, one bidet. Bidet. Mm. It's for um after you you um you know you figure it out. For washing your backside, right? I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know when I first watched it. I, like, I got no clue what this is. Why do they have? Oh, exactly like him. Why have we got two toilets there? It makes no sense. Yeah, I know, it's I weird, isn't it? You can see him scratching his head, and he works it out. It was I still very... don't know why you need one, though. Oh, can we just move on from the B days? <laughs> oh, it's just <laughs> it's weird. But we go on to a scene that myself and Paul have spoken about. We've been out when we when we're working, reenacted this scene many a times out of every pure day, stupidity. I think, I think it was pretty much every day. And I'm referring to the restaurant scene oh. of when and this is where you really see Richard turning into a fucking complete asshole, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He just he decides to just belittle. He's in Richard's playground now, Richard's rules. And he uses that trying to just make Paul Hogan feel so small. And I think that there isn't a better way that I could think of in this unless he kind of slaps um, uh, Linda Mike Wazowski around the face. But he goes through the menu. He speaks Italian. He does it just to embarrass and try and empower himself. And as soon as she brings up the fact that they were cooking on their own in the outback and had some yams and some really nice food. That's when he says to him, like you order. And it's just, this whole scene is done brilliantly, isn't it? I couldn't think of a yeah. more simple, better way to do this. Perhaps I should order for all of us. All right. 
I mean, I don't imagine that they have any kangaroo steak or possum grits. <laughs> oh, don't worry about Mick. You can make a gourmet meal out of just about anything, even medium rare goannas. It's great, wasn't it? Right? And what about the yams? <laughs> oh, yeah. They were great. Well, that's. That's wonderful. As he's our guest, perhaps he'd like to order for all of us. Oh, wait a minute. I'll do that. I don't know what you call it, but I'd like to look at that dish up there, the big fat shell is eating. Richard! Very true. They, they made, the way this written out, it made him... <coughs> Richard looked like the enemy and it was very well done because you, you can see the, the actor, I can't remember who plays him, but he, you can see he's done very well to act the part of a sleazy, like almost like a, a corporate banker type character who's, who's an arsehole. It, yeah, it's Mark well. Blum. Yeah. yeah, Mark Blum's the actor and yeah, you're right, Rab, spot on. He, You don't need any other dialogue. He looks smug and he is smug. And all through this, he's She's still holding his hand. So despite the fact that she's squirming, knowing that um, Richard's absolutely ruining um, Crocodile Dundee, she's still holding his hand. Looking at her, you know that she doesn't want to. And knowing that, you know, she's not happy in the situation and how he's treating him, how he's treating uh, Crocodile Dundee, she's still doing it. And then he deals with it himself, doesn't he? Oh, he does, and the way he deals with it, and the sound of the punch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I oh. love it. It's just, yeah, I'm just interested. In, well, I can't remember what it says <coughs> now, but it's just the punch sound is brilliant, and the fact he goes so limp. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just a shot out of nowhere, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, he hit him so like really covertly. I think he yeah. said. He said, "Is that what? The, what's the the, the pastor, the fat girl's got over there?" <laughs> and they all look over there, and he's like, <laughs> oh, I, "I wish I could do this, you know." Yeah, it's so good. Just knock someone out just with one punch. <laughs> and again, but as you say, he goes limp, and he's just like, just he looks at him and he smiles. You know, it's that tiny yeah. little smile on his face, and then he just like goes down again, like. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's been bloody roofed or something, isn't it? And he slumps in his chair. And even in the camp, he's completely out of it later on, isn't yeah. he? Until he says he needs to be sick. Yeah. Oh, and she's just, just like, oh, fucking hell, he's with me. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, this guy. And I love that taxi driver they get. He's such a weird little, like, Joe Pasquale kind of character, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? With his little peak cap. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good. And what they, they to go to a bar, don't they? Because he's a bit pissed off with the way the evening's gone, and he's in trouble because she obviously realizes that. And I don't really understand why she's pissed off with um, Crocodile Dundee because even she was so aware that Richard was being a dick. It's, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind more, of annoying in a certain way. Yeah, I think it's more the fact that it's the, the way. It, it, she probably thinks it's, it's now because it's, it's it's New York. It's you know it's a different culture. It's it's not your culture. I.e., you know they were getting into pub fights, weren't they, in um, the outback yeah. pubs in, in Australia? But over here it's a bit more civilized type 
again, fish out of water. It's a whole massive role reversal, isn't it? This is what you did there. You can't do that here now. You have to be a bit more sensible and clued on because, A, my status is at um, risk. Richard's status is at risk. Hmm. So that's, that's yeah, probably that... what I'm thinking anyway. Yeah, I, I didn't know whether she was she was annoyed with like Richard being a dick or she was annoyed with herself being with Richard, who's a dick, or with Crocodile Dundee. I didn't know which one it was or maybe a bit of each of it. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's difficult to tell. I I'd say, especially with because again, as you said, who they're both being dicks, and she's probably caught in the middle. And she's probably more frustrated than anything else. I would say. Yeah, you're you're probably right, mate. And they do <coughs> go to a bar after that with the taxi driver, and I love the the facts of wildlife and nature uh, that he's coming out with about things in Australia. The funnel web spider can kill a man in eight seconds. Just by looking at him. <laughs> of course, the real danger down there is the sharks, though. The big ones, you know, like Jules. I caught one down there about three weeks ago. Cut it open. You know what we found inside it? Three Filipino fishermen. Still in their boat. <laughs> and it's complete bullshit. And it really reminds me of something that you'd say, Paul, honestly. What? <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, he's talking about the Black Widows and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. What it's would I so say that? Because you're full of shit. <laughs> Are you calling me two sheds? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, it, it was someone, <laughs> we, I used to work with somebody, we, we used to call two sheds that, like, um, if you had one shed, you had two of them. But you could see <laughs> off, 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 the, off the back of what you said about the black video, you said, oh, you can t- talk about your whatever it was, you know, your spider there, but, like, over yeah. in Australia, it would, you know, like, but yeah exactly yeah so i did have a little chuckle of that and you get (laughs) again which was new and i didn't understand this when i was younger you've got the transvestite there who yeah i've been 12 years old i was in the same kind of camp as paul hogan was as in didn't understand it but because she's quite convincing um male dressed up as a female and at 12 you just don't know and when he tells um, Paul Hogan that that's a guy, I got to admit I was as shocked and in disbelief as Paul Hogan was because it's convincing. But I mean, he walks up to him and you don't see it, but he must grab the guy by the nuts to check kind of what um, what he's got, what he's holding under there. And again, that dates the film because you just simply could not do that, could you? These days, no, you couldn't. No. Obviously screaming that yeah this is sexist this is you know, all that it's yeah i think it's amazing how times have changed a lot of it for the good and but this was the kind of humor that paul hogan was doing on his own show um that obviously got him famous and quite acceptable and being written by paul hogan you can understand why he's doing these kind of jokes but and we get onto the other scene outside with the prostitutes and I think it was you, Paul, who said about this punch. Again, it's like an Exocet missile when this pimp comes over and he's yeah. talking to the two girls. And he's not interested really in any sex. He doesn't really understand the idea of prostitution. And the guy comes over and gives it all the large. <laughs> Jesus, the noise they make from that punch. He's lucky to take the guy's head off. I rewound that bit. Like, so, yeah, so th- the girls, I think they acknowledge that they've seen him in the paper. 
um, yeah, when they're not off their heads on crack and heroin. <laughs> crystal meth, yeah. Right, crystal meth, yeah. Right. But they see him in the face, oh, you're the guy from, you know, and um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, oh, well, you know, we might have to give you one for free. And he's like, one what? You know, and this guy comes over, uh, like, he, he goes, are you girls working or what? And he's like, come on, you know, come on, mate. I'm just making some ground with these guys, with these girls, and, you know, you're interrupting and whatever. Not realizing that he's the pimp and just lays one in, and it is like an explosion in his face. Oh, it is an expression, you know, isn't it? Yeah, you expect to see his his eyes on the other side of his head, but um, yeah, I wonder whether that was intentional because you know, at the same time, they're doing films, you know, the, the, the firms are making films with all kinds of assaults on you know, and, and punches and stuff. and why would they choose to do something to to have a sound that was a over the top? I don't know. That's friggin' awesome, isn't it? But one, <laughs> what I'd love for once in a film, just to be different, is just this scene, for instance, that he goes outside of two prostitutes. These two women aren't bad looking women. They've got white teeth. Their mm. skin's good. They look nice and healthy. Their hair's yeah. clean. Wouldn't it be original if they had two proper crack holes <laughs> walk saying. up with who are skinny, yeah. rainy arms, pinpricks, their hair's falling out. You, they you, look you like say rainy arms, you mean lots of holes with no veins. Yeah, they look like the walking dead, but they still yeah. give it the really sexy, dirty talk and the smiles, even though they're about three steps away from being we, corpses. Yeah, with teeth like something you'd expect from um, Dickens London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the King's in Oh, my love! It Not would be so time. original, wouldn't it? Do you want yeah. some business? business? It's so, so good. Yeah, and he'd be like, oh, fucking hell. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> that would yeah. be great rather than to get this. Yeah. At least it would be oh. a realistic twist. Yeah. I need some good, good. Yeah. <laughs> slapping their elbows on the inside no. <laughs> and then they they go to like yeah. a, a party and it, again it's 80s music and I love seeing people doing oh, 80s dancing it's so good they open that scene with mental as anything that was great that's a great song is that the song they're playing no it was the act was mental as, any, mental as anything um, I'm just trying to get a song um because it's like that. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to do it any justice. But I know the the song that it's uh, that's playing, and uh, it's quite funny. And again, tell me because I still get confused even to this very very Live day. Up. Live out. Live up. up. That's it. Yes. Great song. Yeah, really yeah. good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go to this party. It's it's kind of um very 80s. People have got their sleeves rolled up and their jackets, and <laughs> uh, it's just massive shoulder pads. And the host of the party, um, again, uh, Paul <coughs> Hogan, is unsure of what gender they are. Yeah. And he does reach down and yeah. check for himself. Is that a male? Is it a female? I thought it was a male. Sorry, Rav. I thought it was a male. Yeah, like you said, a male. Yeah. But then there's no response. And the person says, oh, I might have to go to... Oh, it's brilliant response. So. It's such a funny yeah. scene. It really, yeah, it, yeah, it's great. After the reaction of surprise, instant pleasure of what's actually happened. <laughs> but I, uh, 
still don't know what sex that person is because right. talks very high pitched to start with, and after the like the grope, the voice goes very deep. I don't know whether that's because yeah. of the grope or not. I just don't know. I don't know. No. It's just plus it's her reaction. Oh yeah, because he's Australian. Like, oh, that justifies it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm so pleased you don't know. It just. But again, it just shows. It just shows the lack of our awareness, or I say Western. Like it shows the lack of their awareness in America of like how Australians potentially or you know greeted people because you know we know they don't greet like that because we've all seen neighbours home and away and all that kind of stuff right yeah. and all, everything else but back in the back in the 80s there must have been this complete lack of awareness because they're like oh if that's how they greet in Australia I'll have, I'll have to go there you know yeah Get and it, it was because yeah because Paul Hogan was as I say it was a rigour he was that every man like and then he became famous and rich and he had his family and he was a real family guy. So mm. everyone could kind of relate to Paul Hogan. And in this film, I mean, off the back of this, unbelievably, he actually introduced the Oscars the following year. It was that much of a success. Wow. And um, he did it. Uh, kind of, He was like one of the first kind of uh, like foreigners to do that. And he did it without an auto cue. He didn't have a script. And Dustin Hoffman followed him around and introduced him to everyone else. And then one of the first things he said was, this guy does his acting without any scripts. And he couldn't believe that Paul Hogan did that. It was so unique. Mm, that's a so, talent. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's a real talent. And even Paul Hogan would admit that he's like a one-trick pony. But he's very good at what he does. So mm. he's kind of carried on his humour. So it doesn't surprise me entirely that he does do this to to people to check what sex they are because it's his humour, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, this is his film, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it does kind of, it, when we've only got 20 minutes after this scene and we go to the, probably the most iconic scene that I can think of in, in this film and any of his films he's done with the knife when he's walking down and he gets approached by that young kid who comes across as very polite. Have you got a time or have you got a light? The usual line they use. And then give me your money and he's got a knife. I mean, what a scene. It's so simple. The dialogue is so short. You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> knife that's a knife and it just works so well doesn't it the best bit about that scene was apart from the kid being dressed like michael jackson was, <laughs> was <laughs> it's so true <laughs> it's just um because paul hogan's with the girl isn't he and she's yeah. shit scared and he looked the way he looks and berates his kid just by his laugh he just kind of like chuckles at this kid and he's like, that's not a knife, right? And then slowly, it's like, and it's, it, I think his timing is perfect in that because he doesn't react immediately. He just takes it in his stride and then just goes to his back and pulls his knife out, you know, in his own time. 
and then you see the reaction of the kid and the two other kids behind him. And I think it's just the comedy is just perfectly timed, and his react his reaction to that kid is perfectly timed. No, I completely agree. It, 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 as you say, there's no knife noises as well, really, is there? No, because now they would, don't they? It would be now. <laughs> <laughs> Easy catching or shooting fish in a barrel. Even, it really is. Oh, yeah, even even um, Tintin Quarantino would have a flopping knife hand in there, wouldn't he? <laughs> but even she says after this that I always feel safe when I'm with you and how corny that sounds. And their kind of their relationship really or their love affair is just fully cemented at this part, yeah, isn't it? You knew where that was going. When she said that, you knew where that was leading. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice dopey line. I, I have to say, I really like it. And yeah, and you know that Richard can sense, he must sense a change, you know. We don't see it on screen, but it's after this that they then go to um, Richard's dad's house. And he, we don't realise that he's got planned, that he's going to propose to her. And he's such a slimy snake the way he does it. He's such an ass kisser, isn't he? Yeah, it's her dad's house, her isn't house. it? Yeah. Her, her oh, her, her dad's, dad's house. house. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fuck. He's an arse. But he is. Where he charms the dogs. Hmm. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. That is so good, isn't it? I won't. Yeah, I won't. I have tried it with my dog, my cousin. (laughs) It it hasn't worked. (laughs) I try it with mine. I just not licking my hand anyway because I think I've got food in it. It Yeah, it really doesn't work. Oh, Stu. You've got to tell the story about your bogey, your McDonald's or bogeying, whenever it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they had, hear that. They had a um a triple like Big Mac burger or a double Big Mac burger, and, and it's just <laughs> it was legendary. It was massive, and everyone in the family had one. They said how good it was, and uh, the wife and the kids were out, and they came back and they said, "I've got a treat for you. I've got a Big Mac." Like a, a big, big double Big Mac. I was so chuffed. I was so pleased. And I sat there. I opened the box slowly, and this thing was huge. And man, I love McDonald's. <laughs> and I just had it. And for some reason, the dog knocked the box, and the Big Mac fell on the floor in front of me. And bang! <laughs> both dogs destroyed this Big Mac in seconds. And everyone just looked at me and the look on my face. It must have been like a little kid who just dropped their uh, ice cream on the floor. I was so upset. <laughs> and everyone got so much pleasure, including Paul, when I tell that story. I've heard that story 20 times. It's, so oh, funny. it's, it's the worst oh, moment in my gosh, life, you know. And I never got to have a fucking Big Mac like that. Never, oh, ever. I'll buy you one, mate. Bastards, honestly. I'll buy you one next week. Oh, you're so kind. You know I'm on a diet, you git. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks for bringing those memories up. I'll yeah, go sure. back to therapy again. But yeah, he does kind of propose to her, and he does it in a way that she can't get out of it because the dad's got the backing because he doesn't realise what a slimy bastard he is, and they've got all friends and family there, and it, and Paul Hogan. Even he, fair play to him, he smiles and kind of claps and he joins in. But uh, I would have loved to have seen Hogan get up and just knock Richard out again. Yeah. It would have been so good. Or, or he does something in some way. Or he do what they do in Wedding Crashers where he puts something in his drink and he's just <laughs> shitting himself. <laughs> <puking>. <laughs> 
<clears throat> but isn't it interesting um, later on when when I we go to that in a minute? I'll, I'll read it up in a second. Don't worry. Go on. Don't tease me. Don't tease me. <laughs> no, no, no. I wait. I wait. wait. Go on. I might not even mention it. I don't know. I feel pressured. Like no, I've mentioned no, every single will, bit you now. You will. If you don't, I'll bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> but yeah, so they're all clapping. He's engaged, and the fallout on this is the fact that. He's really pissed off. He's going to go for a walkabout, which involves him getting completely mullered. And again, he comes across um, the two crack whores in this alley. And, but it's two different crack whores this time who look equally as healthy and happy. And this pimp is with two more mates. And he punches him and knocks him out. And then he hasn't got his knife on him. I'd like to have seen what would have happened if he would have had his knife on him, would you? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Mm. Probably that. But it didn't give it a twist. Proper tear up. It would have been wicked, honestly. Mm. I'd have had a proper knife fight, and but we knew that he had his knife on him because they foreshadowed it in the in the back of the limo, didn't it? Where he took it out, it, it left it in there. Yeah, they did. And obviously, Officer <coughs> or Sergeant Powell turns up in his limousine, yes. runs one of them over, and um, then as he runs away, he breaks the back off the um, which is like a boomerang shape, conveniently. Oh. And he's down quite a tight alley. Could you throw that boomerang straight down that tight alley like that? I thought you needed a bit of curve on a boomerang, didn't you? I was fully expecting uh, Dundee to do that, to be honest. Yeah. You know, as you say, funny you say that, Rav, because in, in my memory of watching this, when I, whether it was at um, the cinema or, or just after, I thought it was Dundee who did that, but it wasn't. But he... He'd already asked the, the driver if he was from a tribe, and he said no. And then yeah. after that, he said, you know, he asked him about the tribe thing, and he he said, he said yeah, okay, I'm from so 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 so. So he obviously got his skills from his childhood, whatever. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was Dundee, but it wasn't. Looking back, I thought, crikey, I thought it was him. What you did? You really think it was Dundee? You chucked it down there? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because. Yeah, I don't know. Just just remember from from my memory and from a, being a child watching the film, um, it was Dundee, but obviously it wasn't. Unless they changed the footage in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the actors back again to reenact this scene to confuse yeah. you. And you yeah, did. technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There more than just the film a full Paul. Yeah. 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 Reviewing the film, he'll make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think when he asked about kind of what tribe he's from he, i can't remember what he mm. says now but he's from kind of some like new york state or kind of suburb yeah. tribe isn't he that he's from yeah and uh yeah harlem warlords that's where he says he is harlem yes yeah so, <laughs> but yeah good old officer or sergeant powell absolutely excellent and so um mike krasowski goes <laughs> to find uh mick but he's got he's gone. That's it. And he was going to go back to uh, Australia. I was going to say New York, but he's in New York. And she chases after him. How she finds him, I don't know. What is she using? Tracking skills to try and find him or something? Well, right, go, sorry, going back to what. So he he wasn't going back to Australia. He was going to go walk about in, in America first, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, so he, was, okay. he was just he was going to explore America. He said, "I'll start with Central Station." Um, but this was the thing, right? This is what I was going to mention before a minute ago, where her dad said 
she's obviously had a conversation with her dad who seemed to be on board with Richard. But he said to her, she got out of the car, I hope you know what you're doing. And you thought, well, what's that about? What, you know, what is she doing? But she must have said to him, look, I don't love Richard. And her dad's probably gone, you what? He works with you, you know, works for me and the paper and stuff. He's, you know, he's, he's rich. He's got all this, you know, all this financial backing behind him. You're going for somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere who just carries a knife on him, you know. So he was questioning her, but obviously trusted her enough to go with her instincts and go after him. Mm. Um, and as you say, yeah, she just, she gets to see, is it, who's the guy on the desk on the, the, the um, oh, the concierge. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, Jesus, he's got a fucking knife. Mick Dundee gave him his Rambo knife. Yeah. He'd be the last person who wants a knife like that in his possession, surely. Yeah. She, she gave him his knife. I thought uh, Mick did as a leaving present. I thought Mick just said to him, look after it for me. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought she said, look after it for him, and she handed it before she ran off. Oh, maybe that was the boomerang. Oh, maybe no, they re-edited right. no, this did. scene. You, no, Ralph, you're right. She did because it was in the car. It was in the back of the yes, the limo. The, of the limo, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm having a look at the scene. I just have a look at the scene now because he's saying that each went walkabout down by the subway. Yeah, I don't suppose you know where. And um, yeah, because the dad's in the car looking. And yeah, mind this for me. Yeah, you're right. God, I always thought that Mick Dundee did it. That how weird is that? Because he so was never bizarre. he was never reconciled, was it? Was he with it? Because he was it wasn't the back of the limo. Yeah. Yes. yes. And and then she's running after him, and that is I, I remember having a tape back in when we were at school. Um, my mate who had all these films on VHS. I think he worked part time in um, Blockbusters. He used to get all the films, and I remember this the music having that on on tape the music from the <clears throat> the last five ten minutes of the film. I didn't enjoy and, the music. It was great music, wasn't it, mate? It was just, and it built, and it built. It was, yeah, it was really nice. And uh, yeah, it's a great score of music. This, yeah, it's, it's so good. It really, really is. Yeah, it still stands to this day. And I, I love the scene of on the subway. It's really busy. You've got such a diverse group of people on this subway, working class business, and um, calling across, giving the messages. You've got this kind of a black guy is like a. He's got kind of like a cut down denim top on with a headband on. And then you've got this worker um, with a hard hat on. And they're all kind of like you. They wouldn't normally mix or communicate in normal life. But through this situation of passing messages on. And I love the last message of where he tells her that I'll tell him that I love him. It's such a nice message. And it's so funny that the way the message is carried across. these guys to, mm. from um mike kozowski to uh crocodile dundee is so so funny <clears throat> yeah it was great i, I would if, if i was a situation like that i would be an absolute ass and say <laughs> <"Don't>, <laughs> just, just because it's more well yeah that's just me though i love richard i would do that <laughs> that is so cruel <laughs> Name any person. Let's, let's, as you said, it, 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 firstly, it wouldn't work in the UK because we're all assholes. Yeah. No, 
we, we don't we don't speak to each other. We we prefer to keep to ourselves, especially in subway situations. We're not very friendly, um, as most of the world already knows. Oh, so um, text, they can't communicate. Exactly, yeah. But if that were me, I would make up some BS story <laughs> so I can watch it, watch his his face just drop. Masochism. That's it. If it was me or my luck, the message will be passed to the wrong person and there'll be someone really fucking ugly also wearing a hat. <laughs> they'll be saying, he loves you. And they'll be like, no, no, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> but yeah, so the message is passed on and he climbs across and they hug. And in true 80s style, like they do in these films, they pause it on a very special, intimate moment. And it's just brilliant. And that is the end of Crocodile Dundee. And that's the end of the film. It that's is. Like, it's, yeah, it's that's great. the end of the film. It's just, yeah, I didn't, I'd forgotten it ended there. I thought it would go into, because I've seen um, C2, <laughs> CD2. Crocodile Dundee 2. You know, so I know how it's obviously coming up. I'd forgotten that's where it ended. Yeah, it's brilliant though, isn't it? Because you're kind of yeah, left. Did they left. get together? Did Did they kind of carry on their relationship or... Or what happened? Yeah. yeah. Um, at that point, you walk out of the cinema, looking at the bill for the next film, and you're going, "Ah, oh, Team Wolf Two. I'll just pop back <laughs> in for a while." <laughs> oh man, how good is that though? That is awesome, isn't it? Mm. If you can't see that, yeah, Stand by Me. That's on. Yeah. Jumping Jack Flash. That's uh, on. Stand by oh. Me and some popcorn. I mean, oh, it's so good. Even now, the Three Amigos still so oh. so good. But yeah, I know what you mean. I would have just been in and out of the cinema all day. It yeah. would have just been brilliant. But yeah, so, I mean, I really, really like this film. I've seen it so many times and it was so nice to actually review it. And I'm surprised we haven't been. It's been on TV so many times and it is a classic film with a really nice <coughs> story behind it um, with Paul Hogan, who's just such a, he comes across as a really likeable character. But I mean, I can best bits or worst bits i mean i'll start with the lovely silky voice of rav i mean what would you score this and your best bits worst bits and would you recommend this to anyone <laughs> you're too kind um i would score out of five a, a two and a half three. Oh, it, it is a it, ultimately it's a romance movie um not yeah there's nothing other than just two people both one out of their depth in, in one location and the other one and then in the latter half of the movie the other person had their depth in another location and it is just a romance movie of them two coming together and finding out their differences opposites attract etc etc but i was expecting a little bit more i mean it, it's one of those movies where if it's on you'll put it on the background and then do something else i, I wouldn't sit there and religiously watch but the only thing with, with crocodile dundee films and again films based in the 80s is you it has a cult following. It has this weird aura around it whereby you know the movie before you've actually watched it because of all the pop culture references that you'd have nowadays. Like, you know, you call that a knife. This is a knife. And, and, and just things like that. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think all films, I think there's a lot of the films in the eighties have a cult following. Like, as you say, like this, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, probably Star Wars, Back to the Future, all that, but not all of them do. But, um, no, no, you are, you there, are right. There is, there is that, like, I think regardless of cult following, I think anyone can probably quote an awful lot of films or things out of films that they may not have seen. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's films that I've not seen that I can quote from. 
Um, but yeah, it's more that the fact that this was uh, the, the the protagonist was from you know a, a different country. Yeah, that's yeah. Why? Because it's the first glimpse that, as you said earlier, it's like, is this what Australians are like? Is this how they greet people? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's more, more the lines of that. Yeah. So, is there any bits you don't like in this film? Any kind of worst bits? Um, I was expecting a lot more when they're out in the in the back country in the bush. Um, yeah, they, I was expecting a bit more from the, the Aboriginals. Um, that scene, I, I was expecting a bit more from that scene. Um, then it was almost like he was brushed over. Is that? Yeah, mm. he was raised by the Aborigines and yeah. then threatened there, but that was it. Is that? Oh, okay. Um, is there more to this? Is something else going to happen? Yeah, because never appeared, didn't he? Never was there for a a minute or so, and he was gone. Yeah, yeah, and I like that that kind of side of. I, I think it, what they do well is the, and I kind of remember this when I I first watched it, and I always kind of get that nostalgic feeling of, especially when they're talking to Nev, and it's like a piss take, and he does it so well <laughs> of when she's going to take a picture, he goes, no, you can't do that. He goes, what? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right, because it takes your spirit away. He goes, now you've got the lens cap on. And it's just <laughs> yeah. stupid, simple humour, which kind of diffuses yeah. a situation really <clears throat> fast. And yeah. I think... humour. The first thing I noticed in that, when Nev, and I've not seen this, well, I don't remember seeing it before, but, I'm, you know, but um, Nev turns up, and the first thing I noticed, right, he's all done out in his um, Aboriginal um, regalia, but he's got a fucking gold, uh, silver wristwatch on. You know? Yeah, he's got a digital watch and wearing jeans. He's got jeans. a digital watch. And, like, you know, and, <clears throat> yeah, and, you know, and, and Mick's trying to make out that he's seen his way in the dark and can make it through, you know. Yeah, he senses his way and he bumps he into a tree. And he bumps, yeah, he's all you hear is just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's, that's quality. That just makes it even funnier. Yeah, yeah I really, uh, I like it. Um, Paul, what about yourself, mate? So, I re- out of five, um, it's a difficult one. I think I reckon I give it a four in as much as nostalgia. Um, and it's just, it's easy watching um, as Rab says, you, you can, you can watch it whilst doing something else. It, you know, it's, it's easy, it's easy watching. You can pick it up, drop it and you don't miss, miss a lot. But when you do watch it, like, and I did um, yesterday, watched it again, watched the whole thing. There's an awful lot to take in. So I reckon I'll probably give it a four. Best bit, you know, the best bit, Stu, it's the punch. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's got to be. And it's just, I, I, I had to rewind it several times. Uh, and I know we've watched each other with the with that video for ages. But oh, I started yeah. to watch it on the big screen, like punch, punch, punch. Um, worst bit, I would say, and this is not a criticism of the film filmmakers or um, anything like that, but whenever you're, whenever you film in somewhere as busy as I know it was New York, but like in Chicago or wherever, you get the unfortunate thing where you have um, you've got your cast, you've got your extras, but then you've got the unaccountables behind, right? And when they're doing the New York scenes, there's a bunch of people just stood there, just staring at the camera and the yeah. crew. And that, for me, that always detracts from the action because I'm too busy watching 
the people in in awe watching what's going on. Yeah, I like that as well. You know, <laughs> and, and, I, and you know, and, and I not only that, but when you, when you watch extras, I love watching extras. Not the Ricky Gervais still, although I do like yeah. that. But I love watching extras respond to each other because you'll get people in a in a restaurant. You get the actors in the front, you know, in in um, close up, and you'll have a couple behind them who are the extras, <clears throat> and both of them are nodding at each other. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and all they do is fucking nod. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just watching watching people behind, you know. What kind of conversation do you have where both people are <laughs> nodded for that amount of time? You know I, I mean? know. But, you, but you, you, think, you think the director would say, or like, you just, just or the script writer would say, right, just, here's your script, right? We're writing you an extra bit of script, right? You say this, you respond to that. You, just to make it look good. Because even the best pit flicks we've seen, the best films that are out there, you look in the background, and I'm always looking behind the, the what's going on in the foreground. Every fucker's nodding at each other, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's so good. Or, or, or just like winking, and then was nodding, and, and it's just look out for it. It's there, and it just yeah. Oh, anyway, mean, yeah. Mate. So these people in the background, when they just stood like you know that just yeah worst bit. Sorry. Uh, no fair play. Let's give it. Um, I think it's so difficult not to lean on the side of nostalgia and up the score when you think about the other films we've done that are so good that I've really enjoyed um, that I've given really high scores to. So it, it's hard, but I think I'd probably give this a three out of five. Um, it's a film I really enjoy. And again, it's a film I've seen so many times, but I wouldn't stop what I'm doing, as you guys rightly said, to watch this film. Um, because you know what's going to happen. I may in the second one, because I haven't seen it for a while. Um, but the best bits, again, the punch is so good. I think all the punches are just awesome. The noise is like an express train. It's great. <laughs> and the worst bits, again, I think I'd agree with Rav. I wish, I think, because Australia was so mysterious and such a beautiful country, and um, they filmed it in, the, I think it was a Kakadu National Park, which is absolutely amazing. I'd like to see more of, them, more of that and more of the wildlife, the things that Australia have got to offer that I'd be terrified of. I mean, walking through the bush, I'd be a bundle of nerves with spiders, with yep. snakes. With, it's we've got the most dangerous animals that can kill you in that country. And I think they could have done a bit more with that, mm. um, especially for yeah. the Western world who... Especially back in the 80s, we weren't privy to all of those things. It would, it would have been a good opportunity to, to kind of showcase that. But it, it doesn't detract from it being a really good entertaining film. I find Paul Hogan is a very likeable character. His humour is just very gentle, easy to follow humour. I, I like that. I think he, he comes across as a, a nice guy. Whether he is or not, I don't know. But he gives that persona very well on the screen. But but yeah, so that's that's Crocodile Dundee, and I'd recommend this film to anyone who hasn't seen it. I, I think it has dated, hasn't it? That where it may suffer to younger audiences, I think. It has. I, I'm not sure you you do it again. I, they could do it again, obviously, because of the information that's out there. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, but watch it. It's a great film. It's on Netflix till the end of the month. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I second that. And for those who don't know, this will be uploaded also on our YouTube channel, The Film Realcast. Go on to that. There are so many other reviews. Uh, not only do we upload all of these podcasts, we've got The Shield, Cobra Kai Season 1, 2, 3, 
and we've got Loki, uh, Winter Soldier, and One Division. There's so much. So go to YouTube, Film Realcast, and as well as watching those videos, you can just sit out, uh, chill out, and listen to those as well. And we're on iTunes and on Android. Subscribe and leave feedback. But we don't know what we're doing next, do we? We've not got Neil. We've not got James. So again, we'll be kind of a uh, doing what Wally or doing what Nev does is walking around in the dark, sensing our next film, and hopefully we'll come up with something. <laughs> oh, but, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I have seen, um, I went to the cinema, and I did see what film, oh, my God, I saw, what's this, the, the new film out? I saw it twice at the weekend. Uh, Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that twice. really enjoyed it. The baddie is the strangest baddie that you get compared to other baddies that we used to. Um, but that aside, I thought it was a really entertaining film. I mean, it's got um, it's James Gunn who did it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and it's got James Gunn and Guardians all over it with a soundtrack with a humour. I think it's a real winner. As from my own point of view, which is worth absolutely nothing, I think it's one of the best DC films in their universe that they've done so far. I think it works really well. So if you've not seen that. Um, it's got a real Guardians twist to it, and so I totally recommend that. But we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Rav, you'll be joining us. Paul, I hope so as well, James and Neil. And uh, tweet us. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And just let us know if there's any films you want us to review. But thanks for listening. Thanks for your time. Take care, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.